Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. It's going to be a big night here in uh, in Keene, New Hampshire. We got our uh, nightly nightcap, or not not nightly, but weekly nightcap event uh, coming up later tonight. So that'll be fun too. So let's see if there's uh, some more abuse of authority this time. They've left us alone since they targeted our vehicles a few weeks, several weeks ago, I guess. At this point, uh, two of the four tickets that they littered upon us have been dropped, and two, I believe, one of the two is still in play with you, right? Yep, still in play. What's okay. the latest on that? Well, I uh, I need to set up a recorder for my phone because I know how these uh, these officers tend to sort of trap people in certain circumstances and uh, really play on the fact that they don't have a record of their conversations. They also lie. Well, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's hard to call them on it if you don't have a record. Way, that's although, the easiest way to trap people in terrible situations yeah. is to lie to them about what their yeah. situation is. Although at this point, you're just asking for a court date, right? Have you, right. have you had yeah. a communication with them? Well, yeah. So, so I, so my I first, don't uh, think that the secretary well, is going to try I'm and not, trick you. I'm not directly asking for a court date. I'm just clarifying what exactly is this because uh, what it looks like is extortion. That's what it is. But they're not okay. going to admit to that. Well, right. So I need to call this guy and say I'm confused. Obviously, this can't be extortion. <laughs> <laughs> Because you wouldn't do that. So I'm really confused at what's going on here. Three churches sue Gavin Newsom, the governor in California, after California bans singing in places of worship because of coronavirus. So it's already heading to court, uh, as it should do. And hopefully uh, they're going to just violate this uh, particular governor's order because you shouldn't just ask the courts for relief. You should just go ahead and do what it is that you want to do as long as you're doing peacefully uh, things that are peaceful. Now, I don't know if it says there, like, did they specifically say in church or did they say in any gathering of a certain size? Excellent question. Uh, I think they specifically said in church because I was surprised to see it. Yeah. But it could have. I didn't read the uh uh, I, I saw a quote, so I don't know if that's a good quote or not. Mm. Yep. Uh, here's an actual quote from the governor's order. Quote, places of worship must therefore discontinue singing and chanting activities and limit indoor attendance to 25% of building capacity or a maximum of 100 attendees, whichever is lower. That is astonishing. Astonishing. I mean, even even the level of authoritarian nonsense I'm used to to specifically charge like Mm -hmm. to charge directly at a religious organization for what is more or less a completely universal religious practice. The the practice of song. Exactly. The, the, The practice of song specifically, but music in general, like these are fundamental to pretty much. I, I can't think of a single religion offhand that doesn't practice song. I was suggesting that if they manage to pass that kind of corrupt nonsense here, then we have to institute a choir to our uh, our weekly gatherings. And the good news yeah. is we've already done that. That's the Shire Choir. That's what we call it. Uh, there are a myriad of songs, but there's some classic anti-drug war Christmas carols that uh, I don't know what the best website is for this. I guess you could go to tools.freekeen.com. I think the actual song sheet that I've, I've handed to you is... Uh, is 
is there in PDF form with such classics as uh, read a, read off a couple of the uh, the titles. Oh, there's there. a, a lay of Anslinger to away in a manger. Yep. Uh, drug war cops are raiding the school. My personal favorite, yes. which sounds excellent. To Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the dog's violent. on alert. The, the taser's, taser's on high. No getting a haul and shut up or die. Drug war cops are raiding the school. Yeah, I've sung that so many times. Although you got a few of the words wrong on that one there, no, but it was close. Close enough. For, it, 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 for well, nobody's work. done it in a long yeah, time. Yeah, it has been a while. But we sang uh, these a long time ago. Violent Blight. Yep. To As in Silent, Silent Night. Night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we sang these in a large group of people. Years ago, the 420 uh, event that uh, you put on in Concord, mm-hmm. and I was just remarking, I think off the air, that the the gentleman who wrote these amazing lyrics, uh, Richard Onley, sadly, he moved out of New Hampshire. And it was a really sad story because some people move here with the, with the belief that they're going to be able to change the state like tomorrow. He wrote all these great songs. So we had these songs. And I don't even know who took the ball and ran with it. It might have been Jason Talley, uh, one of the other earlier movers. But it happened. And this massive number of protesters was singing his songs in the state house. And it was such a beautiful moment. It was so sad that he didn't stay uh, long enough to see his, his, his vision become real. Because it well, did. And, and we really do need to keep track of there's a difference between the seen and the unseen. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things that are missing that are unseen. And there are things that are happening that are unseen. So it takes the specific situation that you had in order to really bring out of them that, hey, this is this song that we all think is interesting enough to learn and that is dear to our hearts, and here we are singing it in protest of illegitimate authority. Well, the nice thing about it is you don't have to learn it because we printed out song sheets, so you can just follow along as long as you know the tune. And that's what's great about these songs is everybody knows you know, Christmas classics like Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I mean, that's just a that's Definitely a part of American culture. Yeah, so you've heard them most likely more than you want to. Some of these churches really did show that they they do believe uh, whatever it is that they believe very strongly during the initial crackdown. You remember there were actual pastors being arrested. There was one guy in uh, Louisiana, another guy in Tampa. Charges, by the way, dropped on those gentlemen, mm-hmm. as I if I recall correctly. So they arrested them to make a show. Look, look, we're going to arrest you, and then mm-hmm. later drop the charges. And now they come back with a demand, but a slightly smaller demand. So they're seeing how much can we force people away from their churches? You know, how mm-hmm. much of a wedge can we drive in there? Well, and I wonder how easy it is to swat someone on that. I saw him singing. Well, that wasn't a place of worship. I've worshipped in that exact place at some point. You yeah. oh, prove wow. that a place is not a proof, uh, place of worship? Well, that's the I thing. Mean, if I'm standing outside of the governor's office with a handful of other people and we're singing, then it's a place of worship if we're singing worshipful songs. Not worshiping songs. him, though. Exactly. <laughs> Which is what they want. Yes. This is, by the way, this is... His uh, this... Excellency, His Excellency. <laughs> oh, please write it. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I'll go sing it to him. <laughs> that would be amazing. And by the way, for listeners that don't know, that's how the governor in New Hampshire is referred to in all the governor's orders is His Excellency. Yes. No joke. And uh, also, my second campaign promise is I will never unironically refer to myself as His Excellency. Mises defined money as the one thing that is, uh, uh, or the thing that is most 
uh, fungible in your society or most acceptable in trade. So wouldn't the thing that's second most also still be money? I mean, does it have to be the most popular in order for it to be money? That doesn't make I sense. I think by his definition it did, and I've always kind of had a problem with that. Yeah. Um, although maybe, maybe I misunderstood what well, he was that, trying that to Well, that might come down to societies, though. Like, so money here is different from money in a, in a different country, and it's uh, different among, like, okay, if you have a subculture that exclusively trades gold, then it becomes a money of that subculture rather than uh, the greater society at large. Although that's kind of definitive because you can just, um, I mean, effectively, as soon as you trade in gold, you become one of the people who trade in gold. Hmm. Um, <laughs> not necessarily. Now, I might trade in, uh, you know, uh, uh, yen, but uh, I'm not Japanese. You don't have a yen, too? <laughs> <laughs> so the judge, uh, again, in this case of Larry Harmon, the alleged operator of an unlicensed Bitcoin trading platform, and we're going to get into some more details about another recent case surrounding a guy who's been brought up with federal charges for running a Bitcoin ATM network. The court's comments mean that Bitcoin is, quote, treated as money in the context of money transmission licensing in D.C., nothing more, according to the director of communications at Coin Center, a cryptocurrency public policy think tank. So I'm looking here at this 49-page order from the judge, memorandum. This case isn't over. Mind you, the guy who ran Helix, which is an underground darknet Bitcoin mixing website, which he allegedly advertised on other darknet sites so every now and then if you're on like a darknet mm-hmm. underground marketplace website you might see like a banner advertisement for some other kind of darknet service well apparently this guy ran banner ads promoting his helix service mm-hmm. trying to get the drug dealers over to use his service like hey you want to mix up your bitcoins and you know cover up your tracks or whatever come on yep. over to helix yeah. it's a strange thing that people act like the police and the fbi and those are are not on the dark web yeah oh they're all over the dark web and unfortunately i don't know how they popped this guy but they got him they, like they seem to man manage to take well, down a lot of these dark net sites if you have the motivation and you and have the, time, the resources and they've got that and, and that's the thing so with this your motivation is that, uh, okay, so there are some cryptocurrencies that are actually anonymous, but most right. of them are pseudonymous. But all of those pseudonymous ones are ones that you could remix and, uh, you know, totally obscure what's going on. You cannot where. totally obscure with a mixer. Anyone yeah. with the, the know-how can still, they can still trace that stuff. Yeah, there's there. always a record. The Money Transmitter Act never defines money. Which I'm surprised by, but apparently it doesn't. Uh, When a statute does not supply a definition, the court generally gives a statutory term its ordinary meaning. Because remember, we've told you here before that whenever you see legalese, whenever you try to read a government law uh, or statute or, or code or whatever they call it, you're not reading English. You're reading words that appear as though they are English, but you're reading a different language called legalese. And you have to have a legal dictionary at hand. Uh, or you have to have the de- definition section, which is usually preferable because they can actually redefine each word they used in each section. Well, so, and you need both. 
You need yes, both. You do. So, like, if you don't have that legal dictionary, then most of the words you have no idea when they're using them differently than you expect. Correct. Uh, whereas in the yes, uh, in the thing they can define. Okay, well, this actually means this for for this purposes. purpose. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like this might be money as defined by this law, as opposed to being a more wide sweeping thing. Well, so we'll no, see what they're saying is out. the word money is not defined by the law, and therefore. So therefore the the common definition is is in use correct so um, if there is no legal definition that's that's specified they go and fall back to the actual legal or uh, english definition of the word money that's what she's saying here hey daily digestion listeners this is riley blake i enjoy free talk live and i know you do too but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy so i produce the daily digest I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. And I think that selling drugs should be legal. I just want to make sure I'm clear about that. I think money laundering should be abolished. That should not be a a crime. There's no victim. There's no crime. Uh, Well, I mean, one of the fun money laundering that they do is, okay, well, I tax you. What percentage of that is actually going to kill people and what percentage of that is going mm -hmm. to feed people? Because you might not be, you know, against Mm -hmm. feeding people, even if it's Mm -hmm. uh, the government way, but you might still be against killing people. Or who knows, vice versa. You might be really against the welfare state, but we need to defend Americans. But we're going to take your money. We're going to put it into this giant pool and just pull out of that. Well, it's not money laundering when they do it. Oh, of course. Mm. Just like it's not uh, counterfeiting when they do it. It's also not murder when they do it. It's Mm. a legal taking of life. Execution. Yeah. Uh, So... In this story, uh, the Helix guy, or the alleged Helix guy, because he hasn't been found guilty, although I don't think he's denying running the website. He's trying to dismiss the case on the basis of, oh, well, it wasn't money, was the argument that he, oh, well, Bitcoin's not money, he argued. And the judge came back and said, well, actually, yes, it is, and here's why. So her argument back in dismissing his motion to dismiss or denying his motion to dismiss is the Money Transmitter Act which outlines what a money transmitter is and what a money services business uh, is. And you know, these are all like banking terminology that they say applies to what he was doing. Kais Muhammad, a.k.a. Superman 29, who is now pleading guilty. So this is a different case, okay, but it's related because they're similar charges. He's pleading guilty to federal charges that he ran an unlicensed Bitcoin ATM network that laundered up to $25 million, including funds that originated in criminal activity, according to Coindesk.com. And according to a recent press release by the Department of Justice, the Orange County, California resident is pleading guilty to one count each of money laundering, operating an unlicensed money transmitting business, and failure to maintain an effective anti-money laundering program. The Department of Justice press release said that Kais Mohammed laundered money by taking fiat currency from customers in person and using the Bitcoin ATMs to launder the cash. In the plea agreement, he also admits that he laundered from 15 to $25 million worth between December 2014 and November of 2019. Wait, was that, that charge a failure to maintain an anti-money laundering? What, what was that? It was a failure to maintain an effective anti-money laundering program isn't everyone guilty of that 
Yes. Maybe if they took a close look at everyone, but in this case, they only closely looked at him. And they get into some of the reasons why this happened, because this, this story is being passed around, right? Uh, it's, uh, it's shown up in the local cryptocurrency chat room here in, in Keene. According to Coindesk, when he was contacted in July of 2018, Mr. Muhammad did register his firm. Again, this guy's running ATM networks. He's got maybe a few dozen machines in California. And he failed to comply with any of the regulations, says the Department of Justice. Now he's taken a plea deal and he's admitting to committing money laundering and operating an unlicensed money transmitter business and uh, at least one other count. The in uh, see as part of their investigation, undercover agents conducted multiple transactions at the HeroCoin ATMs that were not reported by the firm. In September of 2018, one of the agents purchased about $14,500 worth of Bitcoin in three successive transactions from the ATMs. And even though Muhammad's firm would have been required to report this, it failed to do so. The agents also conducted multiple in-person transactions with the defendant. In- well, it goes to show, know the rules before you join the club. Yeah, and so then you get into what some of the other details of the case. According to the actual press release... So it says here that uh, Mohammed was a former bank employee, by the way, so he sort of worked in the financial industry. He did finally register, ultimately, with, the, with FinCEN. They, during the course of the investigation from February of 2019 through August of 2019, Mohammed also conducted multiple in-person transactions with undercover agents who represented that they worked at a karaoke bar. It always struck me as the strangest thing that they they are very specific about if you earned this money doing something illegal, you definitely need to report it. Uh, from, <laughs> On the IRS form, yeah, there's uh, a spot for that, isn't there? That's what I've heard is <laughs> that uh, I, I haven't tried to run a dispensary myself but uh, or uh, any uh, taxable uh, business for that matter. But uh, from right. what I've heard on the forums is just so you know mm-hmm. – if this is an illegal business, you still need to, to report pay taxes. It. Yeah. And, well, of course, that's not money laundering also because you get nothing of value in return. for what you yeah. pay in taxes. Muhammad is expected to plead guilty. And, I mean, unless you're, 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 you own a Fortune 500 con, uh, company and then you get trillions of dollars in welfare. Mm, corporate welfare. Gotta love it. According to the report, he has agreed to plead guilty and will be facing a statutory maximum sentence of 30 years in federal prison. As part of the plea agreement, Muhammad has agreed to forfeit cash, cryptocurrency, and 17 Bitcoin ATMs that he operated as part of his business. Makes me wonder what he was really charged with. What do you mean? Well, so this is what he agreed to. He right. agreed, I definitely took Bitcoin in exchange for prostitution. Mm-hmm. What all were you charged with? You know, I wonder what would happen if instead of having a business, somebody formed a nonprofit whose, uh, um, which would uh, basically exchange Bitcoin and cash um, on, on a nonprofit basis. That's oh, that's what we do service. here. Um, we do that here. Yeah, I guess the uh, the revenue from the operation gets rolled back into the the outreach projects basically so the mm-hmm. the Shire Free Church has been doing that for half a decade mm-hmm. so i sounds support like that. a great idea but whether or not you're making profit isn't isn't a factor to these charges 
Okay, because mm-hmm. if you're not, even if you're not making well, profit, if you're it, not making profit, and somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, can I give you some drug money and have you turn it into Bitcoin?" Whether you're making profit or not, that's still money laundering. Yeah, on the money laundering, that's true, but they do make a distinction between operating a money transmission business mm-hmm. as opposed to trading this for that. Well, they do, but the distinction there is trading a thing is not money transmission. Mm-hmm. So money transmission, now I'm not an attorney, but anybody can go and read the, you know, the the code and try to interpret this for yourself. And but if according- you give me milk and I give you a chicken, we didn't trade money. Well, no, and, and it wouldn't matter if we did trade money because it's not transmission of money. When the buyer comes to the Bitcoin machine and says, I want to buy a, a half of a Bitcoin or a tenth of a Bitcoin or whatever, well, the Bitcoin machine or the, the ATM doesn't actually have that in stock. Mm-hmm. So what it does do is it's connected to an exchange account, and then it purchases on the exchange at the moment of you know when the customer puts money into the machine. Mm-hmm. It is the intermediary. It is the middleman between the ultimate person with the Bitcoin, the exchange, and the customer. So that makes it a money transmitter. So what a uh, so what a vending machine would uh, a Bitcoin min- vending machine would do is it wouldn't charge based on uh, what it bought that currency at. But uh, what it expects to still make a profit trading on the exchange? No. Well, the machine doesn't know. Okay, so there's two two major ways a Bitcoin machine can be set up. One is where it's a money transmitter, where it's connecting the customer to the exchange. Mm. The exchange wants to know who the customers are. So it, the machine has to identify those customers or else it's violating the money transmitter laws because it's the middleman in that, that transaction. That's a Bitcoin ATM. A Bitcoin vending machine has inventory in stock. The Bitcoin vending machine is loaded up with Bitcoin. It's right there. I mean, it's not physically there because it's Bitcoin, but it's the machine itself has the inventory in its wallet, unlike these ones that are connected to the exchange, which has nothing. They're just a connection. They're just the money transmitter. Bitcoin and, and blockchain, the technology, the sort of public ledger, distributed, decentralized public ledger technology behind it is going to eliminate businesses. It's going to cut out the middlemen. We've already seen that happening. There's no doubt. But to come back around to the idea that it could c- kill the idea of custody entirely, no. Because Ooh. people are always going to value handing their keys to somebody who knows what they're doing, you know? That's what they want to do. There, there's mm-hmm. people who they like the idea of a Coinbase, even though we think Coinbase is like one of the worst Bitcoin companies mm-hmm. out there. There are some people who like the convenience of being able to forget their password and then hit the forget password button, jump through a couple of hoops and be able to get back into their account. You can do that with Coinbase. Well, and certainly there's a huge market for that, but it's a very yeah. different market from I have learned all of the ways around this particular uh, Byzantine set of regulations. Mm-hmm. And you It can is do a different that. market. Right. And, and you can do that for several of these markets. So uh, uh, executor of the will is, is one example. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, pick a part of the financial industry and you can have one company, you know, Coinbase or what have you. And if you trust it and if it has, you know, I- enough uh, security and things that will uh, assure you, well, then it can do a million different services that right now you'd have to get specialists in those fields to do. Yes, that's true. This is going to make things more efficient. Up until this point, banks have been fairly uncertain 
about offering any kind of cryptocurrency-related services. I would say they're downright hostile uh, towards offering cryptocurrency-related mm-hmm. services. They don't even want you to buy cryptocurrency. Some of the banks have specifically prohibited their debit cards or credit cards from being used uh, mm-hmm. to purchase cryptocurrency. And if they find out that you're sending wire transfers to regularly to cryptocurrency exchanges, they'll just cut you off. Yeah, I mean, they're basically involved in a cartel, a, uh, in, a, in a cartel and they're blockading the exchanges. The money, uh, the price of Bitcoin can't rise unless money flows into the exchanges mm-hmm. where it is in the form of USDT or in the form of, of dollars. So they can keep the price low as long as they can make it as difficult as possible to buy cryptocurrency. That's right. And and that's that's really the bottom line there. They want to force you to use their services by making making it impossible to get better services from somebody else. Well, and since they can't make it naturally difficult to do that, because it's incredibly easy to do all of that, uh, it, actually performing the task is quite easy. And mm. since they can't do anything about that, what they can do is make it... Uh, a, troublesome to deal with the effects of having done that industry players including gemini a regulated cryptocurrency exchange and anchorage a digital asset custodian agree this can be good for the industry quote today's forward-thinking announcement by the occ validates gemini's long-standing approach to custody gemini has built an institutional grade custody solution to address the unique challenges of storing digital assets that's regulated by the new york department of financial services and serves many institutional partners a regulated solution provides the best option for the safety and security of clients' crypto assets, according to Chief Compliance Officer of Gemini, which is exactly the kind of filleting you would expect uh, from Gemini, which is one of the most government-obedient companies on the planet. Because the whole idea of cryptocurrency was to give people a way to trade without being under the government's thumb. I agree. And all they're trying to do is... Put it back under. Put it put it back under. Enslave them again. The slaves are escaping. Send out the Fugitive Slave Patrol. Gemini is one of the worst. So Coinbase is also bad. They yep. love getting real cozy with the, the government goons and the regulators. And Gemini is right there with them. Uh, both Coinbase and Gemini are two of the only companies that have ever jumped through the New York state what they call bit license process which came about in 2015 the only state still that has uh this bit license it's very restrictive you got to have at least 100 grand just to even like apply i wouldn't be surprised if something like ripple um was uh was used and can you describe um, what that is uh ripple uh is a coin that was it, it started out as as a as a good coin from what i understand it started before bitcoin it, didn't it uh i that i don't know i think it did uh but it became a it was, banker coin yeah. it became you know the coin that lets the government stop you from trading um mm-hmm. and uh I've definitely heard of it as the coin that uh, everything is registered. Uh, They will have your address. They will have your social security number. They will have every transaction that you make pinned to your physical location and everything. 
Yeah, yeah Ripple is a banker coin because they're marketing it to the banks. They're right. marketing it as a, a way for banks to transmit money without having to go through the Federal Reserve or SWIFT uh, banking wiring systems for the for the world. So like, if you mm. send an international wire transfer, it could take five days or something like that. And with the you know Ripple, it could take five mm. seconds. Basically, well, the idea. and that's one of the fundamental strangenesses about this coin versus every form of banking. So in normal banking, we don't wait until there is a final settlement on payment. We just operate as if the payment has been made. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more all for free at freetalklive.com.